This week on the 10A Podcast, Building an Empire with Jamil Syed. I wanted to get my, my drinking problem under control. I wanted to get sober. and I started my first business as a side hustle that I have now turned into a multi-billion dollar company. And that's kind of one of the main reasons why I became a cop originally, right? Is because I wanted to help people and serve. You know, there's always people that come from shittier situations. It was a really fucked up, unethical situation. Well, I'm going to give you two dumbasses a chance. Barely made enough money to pay the bills, you know? You talk to any successful entrepreneur, that's what it's like, man. We just never quit. I thought that, you know, God gave me a second chance of life. thought that it was my, my obligation to do the best that I could. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 Podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. The 108 Podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to episode 326 of the 108 Podcast. Building an Empire with Jamil Syed. This week is week two of my business owner series. Jamil is a former cop from California who is now the owner of many successful businesses in California. So if you're interested in his mindset and his insight for business and life, stay tuned because we've got it coming up. Listen, it's no surprise to anyone that law enforcement agencies suck at getting the word out to their citizens they serve. Whether it's debriefing a critical incident or educating the public about various aspects of law enforcement, it takes a special skill set that too many in law enforcement don't have. In this ever-changing world of social media, do you, your agency, and your community a favor and check out TOC Public Relations, a company ran by former law enforcement to help you get your message out in an appropriate and professional way. Check them out on social media as well as TOCPublicRelations.com. Let me tell you something you already know. Living a life in public service is a life of sacrifice. But you cannot serve the community or back your partner up if you're not physically able to do so. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, more than 40% of law enforcement officers are obese. Other studies have found that police officers are 25% more likely to die from weight-related disorders like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and even some cancers. Why continue to be a liability to your partners, your loved ones, your community, and yourself? Contact the folks at fit.responders and get your fight back. And guys, I also want to tell you about our sponsor, Jiu-Jitsu 5.0. They just came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It is the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members of the app get on-demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling-based workouts, yoga, and a monthly nutrition plan. They also have 24-hour, 7-day-a-week access to Jason, the founder of Jiu-Jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. So... Go to the app store of your choosing and download the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app today. It's available for Android as well as Apple, so get on it now. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Thin Vine Wines. Thin Vine Wines is a mission-driven wine company that proudly backs first responders and the military. With a background in law enforcement, their support for police, dispatch, fire, and the military is unwavering. Thin Vine Wines donates $2 from every bottle sold to law enforcement and military-driven nonprofits. Making awesome wine is the vehicle. Making wine with a purpose is the mission. Check out their social medias at Thin Vine Wines on Instagram and Facebook and order online at thinvine.wine using the code 108TEN, the number 8, for $10 off two or more bottles of wine. 
So this week was a very tragic one for the law enforcement community, as well as America as a whole. This week, we lost three officers in the line of duty, Sergeant David Poirier and Corporal Scotty Canizaro of the Baton Rouge Police Department died following an aircraft accident on March 26th. And Officer Garrett Crumby of the Huntsville Police Department was shot and killed after being ambushed, responding to a shots fired call in an apartment complex. Additionally, on March 23rd, the Orange County Sheriff's Office lost Deputy Michael Milmerstad. Uh, he passed away following a medical emergency. As someone all too familiar with grief and tragedy, my heart goes out to each of these departments, these gentlemen's family, their friends, their co-workers, and anyone that they may have touched. Um, I'm speaking specifically here for Deputy Milmerstad. They have a GoFundMe set up for him. It's going to be uh, benefiting his wife and children, which I will link in my story to raise money. So if you can, please donate. And if you can't, please share. That's all we ask. Furthermore, I am sure you've all heard about the tragedy in Nashville, Tennessee, an absolute travesty uh, for this entire nation entire society as a whole in which three children and three adults were murdered by a monster. Um, I want to give a moment to tip my cap, raise my glass to the heroes that risked everything to limit the number of casualties in this incident. And that's going to be officers Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. They acted with absolute heroism and bravery in less than three and a half minutes, they were able to navigate the school and end the threat. They exemplified everything that is good with society and the law enforcement community as a whole. And I'm going to say this again. Um, not enough good things can be said about these gentlemen, but I'm going to say this again to the general law enforcement populace that listen to me. If you're not willing to do what they did, and I know you've all seen the videos, they've been posted all over the place, you can like it, you can comment, whatever, but if you're not willing to do what they did with that level of efficiency, you need to hang it up. And if you're willing to do that, but you don't know that you'd be able to perform to that level of expertise, you need to train. And a lot of people saying, oh man, I would have done the same thing. And those same people are the ones that can't qualify on the first go, and they're the ones that don't train other than to qualify once a year or twice a year, whatever it may be. Not saying these things to make you feel bad about yourself, but I know that we all think a little bit higher of ourselves than maybe we can actually perform. And it's important, and I've said it before, I said it in a couple different episodes, that is the most dire need for perfection. That shot those shots, that execution was perfect. And you need, that is when you need to be perfect. You can mess up reports. You can get into a few fender benders throughout your career or whatever. But that moment in that video, those three minutes and 17 seconds, that's what we trained for. That's what you trained for. And that being said, you need to adjust accordingly. So, the last thing I'm going to say before we go back to our regularly scheduled episode is over the next few weeks, you're going to hear politicians and talking heads talk about gun control and police reform and all that. I mean, that's it's all we've been hearing about for the past three or four years now. And I just want to remind you that everyone has something to say, but no one ever actually wants to get in the dirt. And if you're still in that arena, 
You're a hero. Don't listen to the noise. Continue to do what you do. Continue to be like those gentlemen that served in Nashville and those gentlemen that we lost that I mentioned previously. And there are thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of men and women across this country wearing police uniforms and sheriff's uniforms and trooper uniforms that would do the exact same thing. Be that person. Don't take the bait of whatever political agenda that may be pushed across the news cycle. That's all I'm going to say. Now on to today's episode. My guest is Jamil Syed, as previously mentioned. He was on the show last year in episode 239, where we talked about his journey to get sober. This year, it was important for me to share the amazing successes that he's had since he's changed his life. I've been watching him on social media ever since that episode and before it, and I see him posting motivational posts, and he's working in the gym, and he's rolling in a G-Wagon. And for me, knowing that he was once a cop, stuck in an IA, literally drinking himself into heart failure, it's so inspiring. I had to get him back on the show. On this platform, on Instagram and the, the, the podcast and things like that, I've known many people that have had similar stories, but they ended up falling victim to their addictions and to their vices and whatever they had to do to get through the other stuff that was bogging them down. This story right here, is proof that you can get better. You are not the victim of your vices. They can be the victim of you. So, I can fluff this up as much as I want, but I think it's more important to let the man do the talking. So now, without any further ado, allow me to welcome to the show Jamil Syed and Building an Empire here on the 10-8 Podcast. All right, and joining me, the uh, the man on a mission, this guy, man, we, we talked last year, and we talked all about his, basically his come up, where he is now, and it is uh, it's my buddy Jamil Syed. How you doing, man? I'm good, good, man. So, man, just for, uh, before we go too far into our topic today, um, can you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, yeah, for those of the, you guys that haven't heard the last podcast, you know, my name is Jamil. I'm uh, from Orange County, California, and, uh, you know, I, I have a career. I had a career in law enforcement for about eight and a half years, primarily worked the institutions and the prison system, did many, many different jobs in there. Um, but, uh, you know, in 2015, for many, many different reasons, I, uh, I left law enforcement and uh, I decided to open my first business by default because I could not get a job because I was overqualified and underqualified at the same time. So I so I I started my first business as a side hustle that I have now turned into a multi-million dollar company today, along with several other businesses in the fitness space. So that's insane. Yeah. Just hearing those words put together in a sentence is um, automatically inspiring. And that's kind of what inspired me to have this conversation with you again today, because, you know, 
and I've talked about it with a lot of different guys on here and, and, and women like, you know, you, when you get into this law enforcement job, um, you know, it's all too common that we spend too much of our time, um, working, you know, and we, we spend countless hours doing overtime and, and, you know, whatever we can come on to get some extra money. And then where, where does that money really go? It's still kind of, we're still living in a lot of ways, paycheck to paycheck. And when you get into a spot where the job for some reason or another doesn't serve you, whether you need to leave or you want to leave, or, you know, in your case, you know, you, you reach a, a, an unexpected ending. Um, it's like, now what, you know? And I, I've, I've said to many people like your, your love for service and your love for, whatever it might be, even if it's just a love for an income for a good paycheck does not have to be your death sentence. You're not stuck there. So I guess we'll start with that. Um, you know, you said that you started your, your first business kind of out of necessity. What was that mindset with you? What was that thought process where you're like, you know, I can no longer do this, something that I've done for eight years. Now what? Yeah. So it, it was, there was a few different turn of events that led up to that. But basically, you know, when I had originally left law enforcement, I'm sure we talked about on the last podcast, you know, when um, when I stopped working for the department I was with, um, I told myself that I just wanted to focus on my personal life for that period of time, you know, which happened to be I wanted to get my my drinking problem under control. I wanted to get sober and I wanted to, you know, I, I needed to fix that personal problem in my life that, you know, we go into depth with a little bit more on the last podcast. But so I told myself that I would give myself a period of time and then I would go work for another law enforcement agency. Like I would try to, you know, get hired on somewhere else as a, you know, pre-service lateral or whatever you want to call it. Right. But so I thought to myself, and I started thinking outside the box a little bit and I thought, well, what could I do that allows me to earn the same type of income as a cop, but, you know, maybe isn't um, in the same space, you know, mm -hmm. maybe not so, you know, violent or um, dangerous, right? So I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll go into the medical field. And I told myself that I wanted to maybe be a respiratory therapist or an RN or something along the lines of that. I learned very, very quickly that I did not have any bedside manner <laughs> coming from working in the institutions that uh, that wasn't going to do it for me. So, um, but I had, you know, already enrolled in school and, uh, and I was trying to get a job in a hospital setting, which I had managed to do. You know, I, I got my first job outside of law enforcement in a hospital setting by applying to Hogue Hospital 92 times online for oh, just wow. many different jobs, right? And I just couldn't get a fucking job because no one would hire me. You know, I'm coming... I'm putting on my application that I made six figures on the last, I, I basically told myself I needed to start lying on mm -hmm. these things. You know what I mean? Because to, to get hired, you know? And, um, so, you know, I finally landed like an, in a, an emergency room tech job, like where I was moving patients around. And, you know, I actually, now that I think back, I love that job because it, my life was so simple then, you know? Um, but I did that for a while. And I realized that during that time that I, I did not want to be a nurse or a respiratory therapist or work in a hospital setting because, you know, it just wasn't my jam. You know, I was like, 
I don't, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I won't be able, I, I'm being realistic. I can't do mm-hmm. this. You know what right. I mean? It's not like I'm quitting. I'm just being realistic. So, you know, during that time, you know, I, I just, I thought, I told myself that I, I learned so many things from, from that, from that 12 step program and getting sober that, you know, I, I realized that I really, I found a lot of fulfillment in really helping people, you know, and that's kind of one of the main reasons why I became a cop originally, right, is because I wanted to help people and serve people. And sometimes on a day to day, we don't really, we ask ourselves, are we really helping people? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We, we want to, and that's our motive. But like, at the end of the day, you know, does that really happen? You know, so, you know, I realized that I really liked helping people, you know, and I really, I really liked to like be a be a part of like seeing somebody if somebody changing for the positive i like being a part of that you know what i mean right you know god you god takes credit for that but you know if we can be a part of somebody's journey then you know we've done our part you know so i realized that you know when i got sober so during that time in 2015 there were a lot of like you know sober living homes and um drug and alcohol treatment centers and shit like that and, you know, for those of you guys that don't know what a sober living home is, a sober living home is like a an early transitional living type situation for people that are newly sober from drugs and alcohol, right? It's usually a residential home that, you know, houses anywhere from, you know, six to ten people. And, you know, it's their structure. There's, you know, zero tolerance for drinking and using drugs. And everyone in there is kind of supposed to have, you know, a job and, you know, go to 12-step meetings. And it's supposed to be a very safe, ethical, clean environment for people that are newly sober from drugs and alcohol, right? And it gives them like a good foundation so that, you know, they can get their shit together and become productive members of society, but, you know, have some accountability, right? right? Because there's, you know, there's curfew and there's things like that. So back during that time, even a little bit now, in Orange County, there was, there was places where a dime a dozen, but people were doing them pretty fucked up. Like it, they were, they were called flop houses, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Where people would call themselves sober living homes, but they would, you know, they would let people come in. They would take your money. They would give you a bed, but there was no accountability. There was no structure. People were literally like drinking, coming home drunk. People were literally slamming dope in the house, like getting high. Mm-hmm. People were overdosing. It was a really fucked up, unethical situation. And I mean, if you're talking about like, wanting to help people but you you know you own or operate a, an establishment like that you know shame on you you know what i mean so you know we saw all that going on me and my business partner at the time who was my childhood friend who is now obviously my business partner and we had gotten sober around the same time the same year a few months apart so we were like why don't we like start a sober living home? And I thought of that idea because I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be a, you know, I don't know if I'm going to stay in law enforcement. I don't know if I'm going to be a nurse. I've got this hospital job, but it'd really be great if I could earn a little bit more money on the side. And so, you know, my, it all kind of worked together. You know, we were newly sober. It would help us with our accountability. So we decided to do it because, you know, we had this fucking pipe dream, right? We, you know, it's like blind leading the mm-hmm. blind, right? Like here we are, like, you know, six months, not even a year sober. And we're like, you know, we're going to help people, you know what I mean? Like, and at the time, my mom and my aunt had this property in, in, uh, in Riverside, California, that was kind of in like, you know, a shitty neighborhood, but you know, it was like a very, very like, you know, it was, it was an older neighborhood. 
So the tenants that they kept having over there were like squatting, you know, and they were like, they would get somebody in, they'd pay the first and last, and then they'd never pay again, mm-hmm. right? And this kind of kept going on for a couple of years. So finally, they got somebody out of there. And I'd like told this idea to my mom and, you know, who is familiar with the industry, you know? And so she was like, okay, well, I'm going to give you two dumbasses a chance and I'll let you run this. You can rent this house from me and start your sober living. I'll give you the first month for free. After 30 days, you're going to have to pay me. But, you know, I think it'll be good, you know? So, you know, at the time I was working at the hospital. So like, you know, I had... Like, you know, I was making like, I don't know, 800 bucks, 900 bucks every two weeks or something, some much less than I had been used to making. Right. Mm. So I took that, I took that check and I went to a, a hotel furniture liquidation um, company in Rancho Cucamonga and, and we bought a bunch of furniture as much, as much as I could with that. Right. And then we bought like single beds and like, you know, twin mattresses and like some used furniture. We, we furnished the place. Right. And then my business partner, you know, he paid for the landscaping and, you know, we had, you know, within like, you know, a month, we had a little place that we were going to start helping people. And we started doing that, you know, and our first client, you know, ever, you know, we were like, okay, we're going to charge people 500 bucks a bed, 500 bucks a bed, 500 bucks a month. And we're going to have like six people in this front house because it was a duplex, but we could only take on the front house at the time. Right. (laughs) We didn't want to bite off more than we could chew. So that's what we did. And, you know. We finally found our first client. He couldn't afford $500 a month, but what he did, he did say that he would pay 125 bucks a week. And we were like, you know, you want to get sober, man? Sure. No problem. You know, and we took him, you know, gladly. And, you know, we, and we just word of mouth, man. We just word of mouth, word of mouth, you know, started going to different treatment centers in the area. You know, we were going to a 12 step program. So, you know, we tried to let people know there, which, you know, probably wasn't the most ethical thing to do. You're not supposed to do that, but we did it anyway. And, you know, we were just trying to help people, man. We just wanted to keep the house full and the beds full. And, you know, we got, you know, and we had like six people in the front house and that's what we did. And um, fast forward, you know, I mean, a lot has happened since then, but that's how it started. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing led to another, you know, and we met different people and, you know, we met, you know, we had people that came in that wanted to, um, to be a part of our real estate and, you know, buy the real estate for us. Um, you know, we had people that, you know, found who we were because of what we were doing and they wanted to go into business with us. So, you know, we have a couple different, you know, relationships with a couple different people from, from that one idea, you know, we have, um, started with six beds, right. And, you know, then we, then it was a duplex. We ended up taking on the back house, you know, we started working with the treatment center and they wanted us to, you know, house their, their residential or their outpatient clients, you know, mm-hmm. And then, you know, we met that guy that I was telling you that helped us with the real estate side where he was like, look, man, I really believe in what you guys are doing. My son died of a heroin overdose and I would like you to duplicate your business model in my son's name. So, you know, he basically bought, you know, this million dollar home and was like, hey, look, you just do what you've done already. And, you know, you call this home, you know, Johnny B's sober home because my son died of a heroin uh, overdose. You know, uh, you just help people. And, you know, as a gazillionaire, old, rich, white guy, uh, Italian guy, you know, that's what he did. And so we, we opened up our third house with that because we already had two, right? And then, you know, he loved what we were doing. So he bought two more homes. Mm-hmm. 
and then, you know, and since then we've, you know, we've acquired a few more properties ourselves, you know, we're about, we have about 10, 11 locations oh, now, wow. you know, so we started with six beds and, you know, we have almost 75 beds now, but you know, the funny part is, is, you know, the whole full circle thing. So, you know, we started out as a sober living home and we were trying to knock on treatment centers doors to work with. And now we are a treatment mm -hmm. center. So we have also expanded to the medical side. So now we do medical detox for drug and alcohol treatment and we have residential programs and now we have outpatient. So we are completely vertically integrated. That's, now. that's amazing. Um, you know, we're one of the largest. Yeah, we're one of the largest treatment centers in Riverside County. We have almost 75 beds, you know, and, um, you know, every level of care, you know, with 25 employees, you know, we employ nurses, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, MFTs, you know, LVNs, you know, and we, we just, you know, we, we, we're doing, we're doing every part of that space now, you know, and, you know, and through that, you know, there were about four years there. We didn't make no money. You know, we did that for about four years where we didn't make any money, you know, barely made enough money to pay the bills, you know? We just never quit, you know, I, there were, you know, there were times where I, I'd be, it'd be great if I could like pay for my gas and shit from it, you know, <laughs> but we were helping people. And so we were like, we got to keep doing this because, you know, we're helping people. And then we met that old man, you know, and then we were like, damn, we're really on to something. A couple months after we, a couple years after we met that old man, you know, we, we ended up, you know, getting a government contract with, you know, different, you know, law enforcement agencies and, you know, different things like that, you know, where we, we help, you know, people that have, you know, drug and alcohol, you know, drug and alcohol offenses and problems, you know, we do it all at this point, you know, we work with all every, yeah, every, you've every, definitely, yeah, you've definitely kind of gone full circle with your whole mission to the point where, you know, you started with fixing your, or working towards your, working with your own problem and now, you know, expanding it to helping so many other people. What do you think, like... Obviously, with that, you said that you were having issues just paying the bills and, you know, you're making no money off of it. That's got to be very tough, right? When you're when you're just trying to start a business, it's got to be very tough to do that. What mindset or what thought process keeps you from not um, quitting? Well, it's, it's very, you know, the, the thing is, is, yeah, it's very tough, but that's how it is. I mean, I don't. You know, you talk to any successful entrepreneur or anyone that's made, you know, any type of real money. That's what it's like, man. You know, you got you're going to want to feel like you're going to want to quit every day. You know, shit's not going to go your way. Um, see, the thing is, is I, I'm grateful because I actually I actually heard I started following a guy and listening to a guy early on in my my career in business where this guy He's out of St. Louis, Missouri. He still has the podcast. It's called something else now. But it started out as a podcast called The MF CEO Project, right? And the guy the guy who started it, he's like a he's like a gazillionaire. He's probably almost close to a billionaire by now, but he's very successful. Some of your listeners probably already know who he is. And so yeah, I got yeah, yeah. yeah, a guy named Andy Frisella, and you know, he owns many different companies, but he also started this podcast, right? And it's called the MFCEO Project, and it stands for I am the motherfucking CEO, which is like the CEO of your life, right? You can anybody can be the CEO of their life, right? And you know, and in that podcast is is a blueprint. It's a blueprint for being an entrepreneur, it's a blueprint for being a business owner. I mean, you literally if you don't like 
I'm dead serious when I say you may not need to know shit about business and you can start listening to that podcast from the beginning to the end and you'll probably know how to get everything you need to be halfway successful. You know what I mean? More than halfway mm-hmm. successful. So I started listening to that and then, you know, I started surrounding myself with other business owners that I've actually built some real companies, not like some Instagram bullshit, you know, not somebody trying to sell you a program, but somebody that actually, you know, has built a real company, you know, like, so one of the other businesses that I'm involved in is called, is called self-made training facility, right? We're a, it's a national brand of, you know, training facilities, you know, they look like very nice gyms, but they're personal training facilities, right? And I'm a franchise owner for that, right? But I came on to the franchise in the very, very beginning when the guy that started them started them, right? And so, you know, I've built a relationship with him and I've known him this whole time too, you know, and, you know, I've seen, you know, him on his come up. I tried to put myself around people that were in business doing better than me. And that's really, you know, I don't know if that's like going to help you to not quit, but it's going to help you work. And um, the passion and the purpose is what's going to help you from not quitting. You know what I mean? Everybody's built different. You know, I I'm personally feel like I'm built very, very different than most people. The, the, the things that I think about and the dreams and the goals and the shit that I want to do, most people think it's fucking crazy, bro. You know what I mean? Like people like, oh, wow. You tell people and they're just like, some people don't even have the answer. They're like, oh, fuck, well, that's cool, bro. You should do that. You know what I mean? Like, but right. They have no response to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, I want to I want to help a lot of people. I want to be known for what I've done here. You get what I'm saying? So, absolutely. So for me, you know, you know, I, I, I know what it's like to, to come from a, some, some real shitty situations. You know, there's always people that come from shittier situations. I get it. You know, everyone's story is different. You know, um, mm-hmm. no one's story is better than or less than, you know, my story with the drinking and, you know, and all that kind of shit. You know, I, I accidentally drank myself to death. Um, I ended up in a critical care unit, you know, with a heart failure from drinking too much, you know, all because, you know, I was fucking I was overwhelmed by an IA investigation. I didn't know how to handle life. And, um, right. So, you know, that could have been a very, you know, gone off to the bitter end and, you know, been a loser alcoholic that used to be a cop, you know what I mean? But, you know, I thought that, you know, God gave me a second chance at life, you know, and I thought that it was my, my obligation to do the best that I could. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of dial in on, um, because you can be any person. And you can read any business book and you can, or, you know, if business isn't your thing, but we're talking business now, you can read any business book, you can listen to any podcast you want, but when you actually put rubber to the road and then you start getting that process going, it takes a specific individual to last. And I think that grit that comes along with that Mm -hmm. is really what makes the difference between people that dream and they can they can say oh i'm going to do this but the ones that actually do it and i think that's where you know we say in law enforcement all the time right like i can teach you how to write reports how to do that but i can't make you a cop you have to make yourself a cop and the same thing is applied to succeeding in business is you have to do it and it, it takes a certain kind of wiring hard wiring to be that kind of person yeah yeah you know and i, and I think that that's very very accurate you know i think that there are a lot of there's a lot of mindset tools that I learned from, you know, working in law enforcement, particularly working in, you know, um, in the institutions and the prisons that, um, that, you know, that I carry today, you know, feelings aren't always real and they don't always last. It's like that in the joint, you know what I mean? I mean, 
-hmm, sometimes mm -hmm. people got to do what they got to do, you know, even the inmates. And, you know, when you take the emotion out of it, it is what it is. You know, some of those things I've, I've, I've been able to, you know, take from, you know, law enforcement and put into, you know, business and the culture, you know, what that camaraderie that you have with the, you know, your fellow cops and, you know, coworkers in, in your department or whatever it is, you know, you try to create that kind of culture in your business, things like that. You know, there's a lot of things that, and the thing is, is, you know, you're going to get punched in the mouth a lot in business, you know, I mean, you know, figuratively speaking, and, mm -hmm. you know, every day, almost just a different kind of work that you're doing. But, you know, in law enforcement, you know, you take a lot of licks. And you, know, you still got to come back every day. You still got to show up, you know, I mean, you might go out on workers comp for a minute, but you got to come back. You know, business is a lot like that. You know, business is a lot like that where, you know, you're going to, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. But at the end of the day, you know, the, it's about, you know, doing what you don't want to do for a period of time so that you can do what you want to do, you know, and that's what it was like in business. I'm nowhere where I want to be. And there's so many more people that are so much more successful than I am, you know, and, I'm doing the best that I can to, you know, every, every single day. And a lot like, you know, when you start out in law enforcement, you know, you, you get the shitty jobs, you know, you get the shitty assignments, you know, you get the shitty partners, you know, you get all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, you know. But, you know, as you, you know, you improve your skill set, you become, you learn a few things. Uh, you learn a new you, few things and, you know, sometimes people want to work with you and, you know, same thing in business, you know. You know, you do the right thing. You pay your people, you know, you have people want to work with you, you know, same thing in law enforcement, right? Stuff, stuff like that. A lot of, you know, if you, if you think about it, there's a lot of things that, you know, can be similarities, you know, if you, if you, if you take the good and the bad, you know, always, you always have to do that. And I, I just think it kind of all comes back to certain individuals will thrive in certain situations. And I feel, I feel like those in law enforcement are already predisposed to success in a business mindset just because of everything you just said, all the similarities and just really the perseverance that goes along with a law enforcement career kind of lends itself to dealing with business or really anything. You, just, you know, you, like you said, you, you get socked in the mouth a lot in law enforcement, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. And that's really what life is, is getting those constant knockdowns and just picking yourself back up. So for someone that wants to get started in business, right? Cause like for me, for example, and, and I, you know, my girlfriend and, and my, my close friends, they always kind of laugh at me. I'm, I'm just like you, I give them all these ideas and they laugh at me like, okay, yeah, man, go do your thing. But it, you know, it's one thing to have the ideas. It's another thing to get that started. What, what kind of first steps? And I'm talking even from like the most pragmatical logistical reasons Working paycheck to pay, living paycheck to paycheck is really hard to be like, all right, I'm going to get this business off the ground. How do you do that? Is there a way to like find investors? Obviously you found the gentleman that bought those houses. For way, you, uh, way, later, what, way later, way later, way right. later. So where, where would someone start? How do you start, you know, getting money to get a business? And, and I just want to say before you answer that, like, there is a big difference between selling some program you came up with and actually a brick and mortar place of business, you know, or, or a company like that. So, uh, um, yeah, I was, I was, what we're, no, I was just gonna say, that's what we're really talking about. We're not talking about if you want to sell a 
either a multi-level marketing or your own fitness plan, quote unquote. Um, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking with actual physical, tangible business here. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I didn't mean it. It has to be a brick and mortar. I, I just meant that it has to, you know, you should take, you should want to take advice from someone that have actually built a real company that is making real money, not someone that is just trying to sell you something, you know, and, Correct, isn't isn't correct. even doing that well themselves. You know, you know, I've I've heard some. I, you know, I heard this like really really successful business owner tell me it's uh, on a podcast not too long ago saying that this guy that I follow and he was talking about how he was opened up a business and then he started taking classes in business on top of it. So he already owned a business, right? And then he was going to school to take classes at night on how to run a business, right? The guy that was teaching the class. He like followed him out one day, right? And he asked him like, oh, you know, what business do you own? And he's like, oh, I don't own a business. And then he saw him get into his car and he got into a shitty car, you know? And he was like, dude, why the fuck would I want to take advice from a guy in school that doesn't own a business and drives a shitty car? Like I'm an up and coming entrepreneur. I want to make a gang of money and I want to have a nice car one day. You know what I mean? And those are the things that keep business owners going. Like, I don't care what anyone says, material things, are, are are not what's most important but money is a tool right but i'm telling you when you're broken you're not making any money and you want to keep your business going it's those material things that you want to get that's going to keep you going sometimes along with sure. the passion yeah, right yeah. so you know i just meant like you know you you need to you know be very selective of who you take you know information from right as far as building a business someone that's actually done it you know and that's, you know, wasn't, didn't have anything, you know, maybe on a silver platter, but you know, I don't think you need a lot of resources, you know, right now, you know, you have way more resources than anybody had 10, 20 years ago. You know, you got, you got your phone, you got the internet, you got social media, you know, you can literally tell all your friends and family about what the fuck you're doing in one post. You know what I mean? That, you know, you can hit, uh, you know, I don't care if you have a hundred followers, a thousand followers or 50 followers, you can instantly tell 50 people about what you're doing. You get what I'm saying? And, right. you know, so I think that there's a lot more resources today, but I, you know, I, I think that the, the passion and the purpose of, of, of something is what is going to, is what you really need. Is that's all you really need. Uh, and you, if you make a decision, you need to, you need to not overthink it and you need to just go with that. You know, if you want to, you know, open up a vitamin shop, you should, you should figure out what you need to do to do that. You know what I mean? Or whatever the case may be. I think that overthinking it, see, the thing is, is that people think that they need to prepare, right? But it's like, how the fuck are you going to prepare when you don't know what the fuck you're doing? You get what I'm saying? So, Uh so you just need to just do it and you need to figure it out. It's just like when you go to just this perfect example, you go to the academy. You fucking, you go to the academy for six months. You have some asshole screaming in your ear telling you all kinds of stuff. You know, you got, you know, you get, you, you learn all this shit. You learn the bare minimum of the mechanics of how to go out. But your first day on the job, that's why when you usually mm-hmm. get to there, you still have another week of training or you have a FTO, right? You have a field training officer is because you still don't know anything. You get what I'm saying? But, oh, yeah, I got you. You know, and it's the same thing in business. Like, 
you're not going to know what you're going to, you're not going to know what you're doing and that's okay. Like figure it out, you know, like ask people, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, surround yours. That's why it's super important on who you surround yourself with. Right. You got to make a decision. You know, you got to make the decision and you just got to follow through with it. That's the problem with most people in business. They have this mindset that, you know, or starting out that they, they need to know and they need to figure all this out. Like you don't need to figure nothing out. You just need to, you just need to start and then you'll figure it out. You know, it's almost like in, in the things that I've read and, you know, I, I kind of, I follow a lot when it comes to business. I follow a lot when it comes to just personal growth in general. And, you know, it's kind of like any major life decision and choice. You're not going to know what you're doing. You know, it, whether it be starting a business, starting a family, whatever it might be, like you're there, there's no way to over prepare for it. It reminds me of the guys in the police academy. And I know because there were times when I was this guy where, you know, you're going into a role play scenario and you start what ifing every single aspect of it. And you ask the, uh -huh. the instructor, you go, OK, well, what if this happened? And the instructor literally will say, well, what if, you know, I fart and bubblegum comes out? Like you can't, what if the entire situation, sometimes you just got to do it and figure it out as it comes at you. But at the same time, you know, it's weird because it's a, it's a double-edged sword where I personally like to at least know I'm okay with taking the leap, but I need to at least know an idea of what's going on underneath me. I'm okay with a lot of the uncertainties, but I like knowing at least like, okay, what is this going to entail? And I think that goes back to what you're saying about resources where you can Google almost everything you want to know, whether it be starting a vitamin shop, starting a gym, starting whatever business you want to do, you can Google what's going to be that cost, whether it be financially or whatever, you know, time, if you need to learn something. So, I think you're absolutely right that we are in this great area in this world, in this society where so much is already presented to us and kind of, it's all up to you to be successful doing that. You know, you, you need to have something that's just sustainable. Right. But I mean, of course, at the end of the day, you know, it's going to, it's going to be, what's going to be successful is what you, you know, put your, priority and your passion towards, you know, and, um, you know, it's like, you know, we, you kind of talked about a little bit, it's like waking up and saying, or going and saying, Oh, I want to be a SWAT operator, right? Like, okay, great. That's a great goal. Why don't you try to be a fucking good cop first? You know what I mean? And you know, those things will come, you know, you just gotta, you gotta start where you gotta start where everyone else starts, you know? And, um, and usually that's at the bottom, you know, th that guy I was talking about earlier, you know, he also talks about being with it, you know, an entrepreneur, right? Where it's like, whether you're in a company or, a, you know, a department or something, you just do that the best you can, you know, and, and those, those people are awarded a lot more opportunities than, than regular people are, you know, but we know with promotions and more pay and things like that, you know, and maybe, maybe try to figure out, you know, different avenues of, of what you're good at, you know, but I, like I said, in the beginning, you know, I think it's always going to be back to what you're, you're passionate about, you know, what do you, what do you really want to do? You know, the most successful people in business are, you know, if you solve a problem with, with a service that makes you valuable, you're going to be, you're going to make a gang of money. You know what I mean? So you just need to, mm -hmm. you know, figure out and, and, you know, and, and do it to the best you can, you know, customer service. It's like, there's so many things I could go into this scenario, you know, into all this, 
But, you know, I think we're talking to the person that's, you know, trying to figure out if that's what they want to do or not. I think that, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, are you happy with what you're doing, right? Because, you know, being in law enforcement is a fucking great job, bro. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a very fulfilling, very, very rewarding job. And it's very honorable. It's unfortunate this, that, you know, the media and society has made cops out to be bad guys. You know, right now, I feel like it's a wave. Right now, it's not good. It'll get good again. You know what I mean? I, I have faith that it will get good again because I have mm-hmm. a lot of faith in, in you know, what what cops do. You know, I think that what we what we do for society or what we did for society or from my, in my case what i did for society but you know it was uh it's for the greater good you know and you know if you're happy doing that you know you should you should keep doing that you know but you know if your goal is is to make more money then you know maybe you should start out with something like a side hustle that you know you're passionate about that has a lot of purpose and meaning to you and when you start to make more money there you know, then maybe you might want to rethink your law enforcement career, you know, because then you might be on to something. But, you know, don't quit. Don't like, you know, just make a decision to, to quit your day job when you don't have anything that isn't substantial yet. Right. You know, I just want to make sure that I, I the worst thing I hate is when people give advice and it's shitty advice, you know, and I would never want anyone to, you know, I would never want someone mm-hmm. to just, yeah, yeah, you know, go out and make that leap of faith, you know, and they. You know, they got a good career in law enforcement. They're good cops, you know, and, you know, because, you know, we, Lord knows we need a lot. You need, we need a lot of those, too. You know, there's a lot of dumbasses out there that should not even fucking have a badge. You know what I mean? They're, but for the people that did this for the right reasons, you know, um, and you're just looking to, you know, and you're and you're happy. Try to try the try, you know, but you want to make more money. Try it that way, you know. But if you're really unhappy, you know, the purpose and, you know, the department isn't what it used to be. You know, there's a lot of people retiring early. There's many, many avenues that you can do that won't be so detrimental to, you know, starting over, right? You know, I think we talked a little bit about this before, but, you know, I have a few, I have several friends in law enforcement, you know, and uh, a lot of them are, you know, still active cops today. And, you know, some of my, even my, a lot of my old coworkers, you know, and I, and I, and I try to give them all the same advice, you know, what I've learned in the last eight to ten, eight, eight years in business that I didn't know when I was in law enforcement is a thing called verifiable income. Okay. So when you're a, you're a cop, right. You know, you have, you have a, a, a secure job, you have a secure employment, right. And you can, the money that you make is from your department and you know, all goes on the W2 and for most, for the most part, unless you're, you know, most big big agencies, you know, you make a pretty decent living, right? So what I've learned through doing, because I do real estate a little bit too, you know, and you know, verifiable income, like I said, is a very very important thing. And if you're a cop and you want to set yourself up for, you know, a, a probably a, a better retirement than you're already going to get, and you know, you want to build some real wealth, I would leverage that verifiable income to be able to buy property, be, you know, get loans because see these, you know, when you're buying a home, a lot of cops already have a house, right? You got to like show your income, you got to show your tax returns, you know, but once you start, you get your first one, you can get your second one, you know, and you'll figure it out as you go. This is a real way to build wealth. You increase your net worth by doing this. And when you retire, you can either be sitting on a small real estate empire that brings you in lots of revenue and rent 
or you could sell the whole fucking thing at the end of your retirement and cash out hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. Who knows? Depends on how smart you are and how much you get, right? But, you know, if you start it early sure. enough, yeah, yeah. you know, um, you can set yourself up, you know, pretty, pretty good. But, you know, all that overtime that you're working, you know, all, you know, that hundred thousand, over hundred thousand dollar a year salary that you're making, you know, if you, if you put, that money towards down payments and you know you acquire real estate whether as a partner with somebody or on your own that is going to be the best side hustle you can do for yourself that's going to set you up for your future real wealth and um you know increase your net worth right um and you know and maybe you know you know leave right, you know right. and be able to leave something behind for you know somebody you know your kids your family you know a little small real estate or big real estate portfolio, you know, and there's so many things that you can do, you know, once you start to create those, you get your first house, your second house, you know, you can start to, you can make your own little side business, which is the business that's the holding company for your side hustle, for your, for your real estate portfolio. I mean, sky's the limit, right? I mean, people want to DM me from this shit and ask me, I can, I can help them, but you know what I mean? It's endless. But in my opinion, if you work in law enforcement and you make good money and you have but, you know, banks like to call verifiable income, you know, you can, you, you can leverage that, that career and that money and that overtime money and all that type of shit into getting, you know, starting small and getting yourself some real estate. You know, in 30 years or 20 years of law enforcement, you could buy a lot of fucking property. You know, some, some cops already know this. You know, some people do this. Some people already do this. Some people don't do this. But... You know, if you're sleeping on this, you know, you kind of have one up on a lot of people because, you know, people that don't make good money or don't have secure government jobs like that, it's harder, it's harder for banks. Nobody wants to give them shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you've made a really good point. And I know a lot of my listeners are going to, they're, they're going to give an issue. They're going to be like, oh, we don't make a lot of money. We're cop. We're government guys. I'm like, hold on a second, man. That's because you're living outside your means. That's because you're, you know, you're buying that lifted Ford F-150 when really you should probably just buy a Corolla or whatever. If you reinvest your earnings to something a little bit more practical, because, you know, we, yeah, we like nice cars and we like nice things for sure. You know, we're a materialistic society, but you got to figure out what you really want. And, and I talk a lot about delaying gratification and, you know, that, that could be one thing or another, but, you know, if you really want to, make money and not have to work for it by having investment properties, by having real estate, by having businesses on the side that, you know, work when you're not there. That's what you need to reinvest your time, money and effort into instead of, you know, trading your money for goods, trade it for more money. And I think by investing, like you're saying, that's how we can get that to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, that's, that's really, you know, that's the smart way to do it. You know, I, I, I know, I know about two or three cops here in California that I've already done that. I know a few guys that, you know, have less than, less than 20 years, 15 years in the department and they already own three properties. You get what I'm saying? It can be done. You know what I mean? And, you know, so one of these guys has, you know, he's married, his wife don't work and he's got two kids. So it can, mm -hmm. it can be done, but you know, it's just, you know, it's your priority, right? You know, so for, for me, you know, my, it's, my priority is, is different, you know? So, you know, I don't care about, you know, sacrificing 
parts of my personal life to, you know, to help people and make money. Right. And why is that though? Because that's your why. That's what's most important to you. And I feel like a lot of cops, if you sat them down and were like, listen, if, if, you know, money wasn't an option, what would you be doing with your time? Obviously, I think they would say something in the realm of, of helping people. That's what they got into this for. And law enforcement's secure, so they stay with it. Um, you know, and, and to go back to what you were saying a little bit ago, like, you know, if you're happy and comfortable, don't jump ship just to jump ship. That's not what we're saying. But the whole side hustle thing is a great idea. But if you're no longer being fulfilled by law enforcement, then this topic is really something to consider. And not only that, but like, like you said, it's not going to happen overnight. So to take the time and to, um, start investing now, start taking the time now to build whatever it is, then this is a good way to do both. Exactly. When, and, and that's kind of where I see things is like, you know, I've got my nine to five or, you know, whatever it is, I got my real job, but I've got side hustles on the side where it's like, okay, hopefully one day in the future, all this is going to pay off. And then I'll work because I want to, not because I have to. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have so much extra income coming out on the side or coming in from the side that I can just, you know, not have to be in law enforcement or be a first responder anymore and just go from there. So I think the the big takeaway I want to take from this entire conversation is that it really comes down to what is in you in the first place, the grit, the determination, the perseverance and everything else, you know, the actual tools to business don't necessarily need to be rocket science. You know, as far as like the logistics of money and things like that, that's stuff that you can start investing now. You know, if you really are interested in doing something, if you know what you want to do, that's something you can start pursuing now. And if you don't know, but you feel like you want to do something, the resources are out there. Is that, you'd agree with all that? Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. I think that, you know, I think it's very, very, very important for you to not sway away from what you're passionate about, right? Your, your moral compass, you know, because, you know, anything that you do for money that you don't really give a shit about is not going to last, you know, just like a mm-hmm. shitty job. You know what I mean? Like you're trading your time for, for money, right? So when you have a job or a regular job outside, and this is pertaining to people outside of law enforcement because Law enforcement's a purpose job, right? For me, that's that's really, you know, something that you do because, you know, the list can go on for why we become cops, right? But you know, in other in other spaces, right? You are trading your time for money, right? So you're allowing somebody else or another company to dictate what you should be paid. So you know, when you want to become a business owner, you have to you have to figure out. You know, because you want to dictate that now, right? So you need to do something that you're passionate about so that you'll keep going, but also that other people will find value in. You know what I'm saying? And that's how you're going to dictate what your value is. You get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So Yeah, it definitely does. You know, but but the thing is, is not everybody has the business mindset to, to want to take that on, you know, and there's, that's, there's plenty, you know, there's plenty of great jobs out there. There's plenty of great careers, plenty of 
good way to make a living. Just depends on what your goals are, right? If you want, I personally, I don't want to live um, a regular life like that. You know, I, I want to live a very fulfilling life. I want to help a lot of fucking people. I want to make a lot of money because money is a tool and an opportunity to provide more resources for people and jobs and things, right? You know, and, you know, I want to be able to change the trajectory of people's lives, help with that, and, you know, change an industry, right, for the good. You know, I'd like, I would like to be the, a household name one day. I'd like to be known for what we've done for people, you know, in helping them in the space that I'm in. But I have a lot of passion, a lot of purpose, and a lot of failure behind what, I, what I'm doing, you know what I mean? I was a hopeless fucking alcoholic that couldn't stop drinking vodka at 5 o'clock in the morning that died of a heart failure from drinking too much. You get what I'm saying? So my, my level of seriousness and purpose might be a little bit different than somebody else. Right. As long as I'm stay healthy and alive, you know, I want to, I want to do the best that I can so that, you know, we can, so that what I've, what I've created here, you know, is going to go on far, far longer than I am. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's what my goals are, right. You know, you know, I want to open up, you know, I want to open up, you know, treatment centers and sober livings all over the country. And that's, that's what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing right now. I'm, I've, I've franchised that concept I told you about with the sober livings and the, and the treatment centers. And I'm going to be, and I'm in the, in the last stage of it. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, that's what we're looking to do that outside of California. Right now, we're looking for middle America and the East Coast, you know, where we are going to bring our sober living and drug and alcohol treatment model as a franchise to business owners to people right because we want to be able to help people we want to help business owners help people you get what i'm saying mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like you know if, if you want to help people like right if you want to help people and you know you got a little bit of money or you have access to a little bit of money and you don't know exactly what to do we can help you do that you know what i mean but but we want to go behind people that are passionate and purpose about about helping people helping their community you know, owning property and real estate, you know, our, our business model is, is all those things. Right. But that, that like the reason why I'm telling you this is because I would like people to understand the purpose behind it. Right. And if you have something that you share that same type of passion and purpose about, like I'm talking about, then you should do it. And you should not let anybody Absolutely. tell you that you can't do it because there's going to be tons of people that are going to tell you that you can't do it. The stupid fucking idea. That's funny. You know, you name it. Right. But you should take that, that shit that makes you pissed off that they say and that, you know, resentment that you may cop because they're saying it because no one's going to believe in you. I can tell you that right now. Fucking, let me just mm -hmm. tell you from the beginning. You get what I'm saying? Most people are not going right. to believe in you and most people are going to think you're going to fail. And most people are probably going to wait for you to fail. But, you know, that's the shit that you should keep motivated, you know, keep you motivated and you'll do good. You know, you'll do good. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do something because, see, that's part of the problem. Half these people listening or more than half the people listening, they think that that life is not for them. You get what I'm saying? Oh, the people that own businesses, yeah. that's not for me. Somebody that drives a Rolls Royce or a G-Wagon, that's not for me. Somebody that drives a where's Louis Vuitton fucking uh, purse, that's not for me. No, that is for you. The thing is the society and the media has brainwashed people to think that that's only for certain people. But that's for everybody. If you're willing to go out and fucking get it, you got to go out mm -hmm. and you got to take mm -hmm. it, you know? And, and, you know, what I mean by take it is, you know, help somebody or help something or provide value in some way, shape or form where you're successful and you make money. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters is taking care of you and then moving it 
all up the ladder. Mm, taking uh, care of people Jamil, first, this, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, this is all just a, a great wealth of information. I think there's a lot to take away from it, and hopefully everyone did. Um, we're going to just go ahead and uh, about to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to say to our to the listeners kind of to get the, you know, anything else that we haven't covered up to this point? No, no, no. I would just, I would just say that, you know, um, we talked about it a little bit before, you know, that, you know, uh, mental health is a real fucking big thing in, um, in law enforcement, you know, and if people, you know, if you feel like your mental health is at stake because, you know, of your job, you know, that's maybe some of the reasons why you're, you know, thinking about getting out of it. You know, you should take that seriously. We're losing a lot of people too early for this, you know, because of this type of shit, you know? And, um, and I think that, you know, if somebody really, really is, uh, is looking to, uh, grow their business or get into business, you know, they should not let somebody, others perception, someone else's, uh, advice or perception that is negative deter them from doing that, you know, cause that's, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, your mind is, is, is convinced, is set up to convince you of ways to think about how you're going to fail when you're thinking about something, you know, and you got to take the contrary action um, and, and not let that happen. Yeah. And that, that's a great, great um, insight. I think we're always kind of looking for that easy way out, that safe space. Um, and, and you kind of have to talk a little louder than that. Uh, Jamil, if people want to get in contact with you and kind of pick your brain a little bit more on this whole topic and idea of entrepreneurship or anything else that, uh, you're working on, how do they go ahead and get in contact with you? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can, uh, you can contact me on Instagram at cop turns entrepreneur. Um, I'm sure you'll have the link in this, um, you mm-hmm. know, and you can, you know, you can just reach out to me there. You can follow me. You can send me a direct message. You know, and all my links are on there. All my businesses are on there. But yeah, I would say Instagram's the best way. Awesome, and yeah, that's where uh, that's where we got in contact, and we've been we've been chatting ever since. And it's been, like I said, when before we press record, it's been an honor to yeah. watch you kind of do your thing out in California, and you're just you're just owning it, man. And I, it's it's a great thing to watch. Thank you, bro. I really really appreciate you, bro. And you know, if you need anything, you know, you always can, you know reach out to me. And any of the listeners, same thing. You know, just just hit me up on social media, and I'll do whatever I can to help you. Awesome. Everyone listening, stay tuned. Go follow Jamil and uh, we will be right back. Folks, as I've been saying this entire season, over a myriad of different topics, your mindset is everything. The person who thinks they can and the person that thinks they can't will both be right. I don't care what we're talking about, whether it's fitness, nutrition, business, or just being a good cop or even a better human being. Until you master your own thoughts and promote a positive mental attitude, you will always find yourself stuck in that same cycle. And if there's one thing that I can take away from this conversation is that. Uh, we're going to talk about it more next week as we as we continue this going trend of business and growth and things like that. But I just wanted to hammer that down. What I encourage you to do 
this week, as we wait for the next episode, is to take time and figure out what it is you want to do with your life, what you want to achieve. I want you to write down some goals. I'm not some self, self-help guru or anything like that, but this is a good practice and I need to do it too. So we're going to do this together. So write down some goals. Don't just think about it. Actually write them down on pen and paper or use a use a you know computer or whatever. Not your phone. Do something else because you do so much on your phone. Do something separate. Make this a separate task. It's so easy to get distracted on your phone. Do something different. Grab a piece of paper. You know paper? Grab some paper. That's a sound effect. And write them down. But what you want to do is when you make these goals, keep them smart. This is something I learned in school. It's specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and time-bound. You keep those principles with your goals and you can actually accomplish things. And then keep pushing forward. Trust me, I'm working on this myself. I said that. So that's what I want you to do. That's your homework. If you're, I don't care where you are in your life. I don't care where you are in your career. This doesn't have to be about business. Just look at yourself. Look at your life and write it down. Think about where you want to be in a week, in a month, in a year, in five years, whatever it might be, and write down smart goals or write down Two or three smart goals for all of those time periods. What do you want to do in three weeks? You know, in a week. What do you want to keep doing that? And actually, if you if I'm doing some cross platform um, promotion here, I have no affiliation with them directly. But if you go to the Order of Man, it's a podcast hosted by Ryan Mickler. He does a lot of great things. He has a battle planner. It's an app that you can download on your phone in the app store. It's called the Battle Planner, and he helps you do that. So, okay, I said don't use your phone, but if, if you're really struggling, look into the Order of the Man, I'm sorry, Order of Man Battle Planner. I did it years ago, and when I executed the things I wrote down, I achieved them. Literally, the majority of the things that I wrote down, if not all of them, because I don't know where that list is, I've achieved it. So, whether you want to do it his way or you want to do it the old-fashioned way of just writing it yourself and holding yourself accountable... Trust me, uh, you'll be able to do it. You will see improvement. So think about it. I'm going to work on it, and we're going to carry it over the next couple weeks. That being said, that is it for this week's show. Next week, we're going to have John Matson on. He's the owner of Thin Vine Wines, one of, one of my sponsors. Great wine, better person. Uh, we're going to be talking about how he went from rocking a dispatch console to rocking a badass wine business and everything in between so you know definitely you don't want to miss that there's a lot of mindset stuff in there a lot of solid business advice in there you don't want to miss it so work on those smart goals get hyped for next week's episode in the meantime you can also go to thinvine.wine buy some wine and use the code 108 t-e-n the number eight t-e-n the number eight and you will get $10 off two or more bottles of wine and his company will donate $2 off every single bottle sold to a law enforcement or first responder based charity. If you use my code, the money will go directly to the Resiliency Project, which is a nonprofit in California that helps police officers and first responders deal with any kind of mental help they may need, but also they help officers if they're having issues 
legally and things like that. They're really amazing. Uh, Nick Wilson, I've had him on before. We've talked a lot to him. Uh, it's an amazing thing. So anytime you use my code, T-E-N, the number eight, on the Thin Vine Wine store, $2 of every bottle sold will go to the Resiliency Project. I mean, how is that a lose or a loss in any way? I don't know. You get wine. You get to help a cop or, I'm sorry, a former dispatcher facilitate his small business. And then you help another former cop facilitate his nonprofit to help more cops. It's amazing. That's what we're here for for 10 We're here to help the people that help the people. So go do that. <laughs> All that being said, take care of each other. Stay safe. Support my small business by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing my content. So wherever you are, subscribe to the 108 podcast on your podcast platform. Like it, rate it, review it if it's possible, and then share this episode or share your favorite episode, whatever it might be. Get it out there and also hit up the merch store, buy some merch, 10-8-memes.ecwid.com. Got a lot of new stuff on there. We got more stuff coming. So keep supporting. Keep pushing. If you're a repeat customer, if you see something this week and then I drop new stuff and you want to buy new stuff, let me know. I do have discount codes for repeat offenders. I mean, repeat customers. I will hook you up. If you ever want to buy something and you don't want to pay the shipping, use the code podcast. That's it. Podcast. P-O-D-C-A-S-T in the checkout and you will get free shipping. But I will also throw in some percentage off if you're a repeat customer shout out to my buddy mark farrow he is uh he's the one that's bought the most merch ever so i will basically just give him shit for free at this point if you're listening let me know and i will uh i'll I'll send you something right now so anyway check me out man thank you for supporting everything up to this point thank you for your continued support and everything in the future big things coming We'll see you next week. The ending song this week is going to be the repeat from a few weeks ago. It's going to be Left Behind by Keep Flying. Go check them out. Instagram, Keep Flying Band, one word. I think that's it. They're on tour in the uh, the West Coast, Pacific Northwest right now, and the uh, Northern Midwest. They're kind of doing like a uh, counterclockwise? No, this is a clockwise circle. Yeah. So check them out. Keep flying. Until then, we'll see you next week with John Madsen. 10-8 out.